right? Wonderful. Well, thank you for, um, for the welcome that you've given me today. For the, those uh, that I haven't met, and I've tried to say hello to as many as I can, uh, my name's David. Um, I'm uh, a priest at uh, St. Paul's Howell Hill, which is a very similar um, church to this one in many respects. And uh, I'm on the team of the diocese looking after evangelism, making Jesus known, which I know is very much your heart, and wonderful to see some of the work that Sarah's been doing on uh, Alpha and other things, and um, I'm looking after giving, which is the particular brief that I have been given today, because you are at a very exciting juncture. Um, delighted to be supporting Mark as you look at the next stage in the life of this church. We are with you in hoping for and praying for God's choice of a new associate vicar and a new children's and families coordinator. Um, you know, I'm sure that God has, somebody, has two amazing people out there, but in my experience, God, uh, churches get the people they pray for and the people that they give for. So let's, at this really exciting juncture, as we look at the next phase in the turnaround and growth, because I know it's been difficult post-pandemic, the growth of this church, and as we look also at the very imaginative plans for developing your facilities here, let's, it's great to have this chance to endorse these plans and say together, let us make them happen. Now, giving. What are your feelings when we talk about giving? Does it fill you with joy, anticipation and excitement? Or is there, oh no. <laughs> I normally keep it highly confidential when I'm talking about stewardship because nobody comes that Sunday. They all stay at home and wash their hair or whatever. But today I want to give a completely fresh take on giving as part of our growing in followership of Jesus. Because deep down, you know, we had Jackie Pullinger at the diocese recently. She was amazing, and I had a chance to interview her about why she, you know, she was an oboe player, she could have lived in suburbia and played the oboe and gone to church on a Sunday, and if she was really keen, she could have prayed during the week. And, um, and, it made, and I said to her, why did you do this? Why did you leap on a boat and go out to Hong Kong? She said, being half a Christian is a pretty miserable sort of thing. David, go for it. Trust the promises of God. And I want to really encourage us towards that full-on Christian life today. We have somebody in our church called Les. And he said to me the other day, he says in our church, he says, we've got too many American Express Christians. Other credit cards are available. And I said, what do you mean? He said, people go, ticket to heaven, that'll do nicely. But Jesus, come into my life, sit over there, don't touch my money, don't touch my priorities, don't touch my relationships, but if I get into trouble, I'll, I'll ask you. And I have to say, I wrestle with that. You know, how many of us, I certainly struggle fully to trust the amazing promises of God. But what he does, but I am going to encourage us to do so today, because in my experience... Our trust grows as we experience God's faithfulness. 
That applies to every step of stepping out in faith and life. It applies to giving, just as it does to growing in our faith. St Paul talks, doesn't he, about starting with milk and then moving on to beef burgers or whatever it is, or whatever vegan alternatives take your fancy. But he talks about growth in discipleship, growth in being filled with the Spirit of God, growth day by day, and giving is part of that process. Now, whenever I turn to Jonathan, the slides will miraculously change. You can't quite see me, can you? I'll go up here. So, a question. Why does Jesus go on so much about giving and possessions? Oh dear, preachers asked us a question, this doesn't happen here. Why? Is it because he's concerned about, you know, mending the roof or whatever? He controls the cattle on a thousand hills or whatever the phrase is. No, it is because money and possessions and care for them has spiritual power. Some of you may be setting out to be seriously rich. But others, and perhaps the majority, it's about getting by, isn't it? I used to, uh, to live at, as a young man, I lived at home for a while, which is good in some ways because you get your laundry done and uh, all the rest of it. But I left a bank statement lying around. Big mistake. And my dad, who was born in Cone in Lancashire in 1915 in tough circumstances, he looked at this and he says, son, you're overspending. I said, no, Dad, I'm under-earning. And uh, the distinction was lost upon him. And he said to me, E, you'll come to want. You'll come to want. And that fear, those words, can influence a life, can't they? You can say, well, I'll trust God, but only so far. Because actually, God doesn't understand finance fully. And I work in the city, or whatever. And so he needs a bit of guidance. He needs a bit of a steer on this. But Jesus says, look, you can follow mammon, you, you can follow me. There is a choice, there is spiritual power, there is idolatry, idolatry at work here, potentially. And if you want to experience the fullness of the Christian life, you have to chill. You have to trust me with all that you are and with all that you have. The message is one of freedom. His message on giving, as in so much else, is one of breaking free. People out there think that, oh, the Christian life, it's all about stuff you can't do. It's all about rules and regulations. Actually, the Christian life is about freedom, isn't it? It's about freedom from the expectations of the world that you have to live in a certain way and live in a certain place and drive a certain type of car or whatever it is to be respectable. You know, that you, we, we develop all these patterns for coping in the workplace, for exercising control and defending our position, all the rest of it. All this crud gets applied to us and when we come to know Jesus, he, in the power of the Spirit, breaks it away. And suddenly, we're not all the same, we're all gloriously different, but God in, 
reveals the beautiful man or woman that you were uniquely created to be. And his message on giving as in so much else is dare to rebel against the ways of this world. Day, dare to break free. Now the sense that the trouble is that we are influenced, we are constrained in our imagination by the economics of this world. The trouble is accountants. Now, nothing against accountants, I'm sure. I'm told there are at least two or three present today. And um, I'm actually married a chartered accountant, which if you're on a diocesan stipend is quite a useful thing to do. But um, the world will say resources are finite. And, you know, if I give at a really radical level, if I give, you know, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, whatever it is to the church, that means I'm going to be that much worse off. And I'm going to be impoverished. But of course, that is not, that's the world's economics. Kingdom economics are fundamentally different. Yes, we are called to give of our first fruits. So in terms of an annual budget, the tithe or whatever you've decided to do goes in first before even before even you look at where we choose to live and the car we choose to drive or whatever, our lifestyle, that is the foundational and first fruits. We're called to give sacrificially. And people say, oh, he's not giving sacrifice. I say, what are you sacrificing? We're called to be willing to put things, to lay everything down. And the experience, however, of those who do that is that we unlock God's abundance. As we come to look at his sacrifice in Christ at Easter, we see an extraordinary, an extraordinary flow of love and sacrifice and goodness and provision which flows down into us and into his church and then pours out to the world. There is this wonderful cycle which grows and grows and grows. If we say, that which I have is mine and I dare not let go of it, if we live that kind of shriveled life, then that wonderful torrent of abundance ceases to flow. But if we let go, if we trust, it pours with ever-increasing force out into the community. St. Paul, writing to the Christians in uh, Corinth, really spells this out. This kingdom principle of God's blessing to those who bless others through giving. St. Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, whoever has that shriveled existence, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man and woman should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's such a bit of guilt and woe about giving, isn't there, sometimes? Where we see God do miracles with money, then in my experience, joy is what is released. We should, God loves a cheerful, 
reckless, full-on giver. And then he goes on to spell it out even more. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of harvestness and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here you see this wonderful principle of this, this pouring down of God's abundance, growing and growing. And St. Paul then spells out it even more fundamentally. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way. Now, God's blessing takes many different forms, depending upon our spiritual needs at a particular time. But the experience of the Christian community down the years is that you cannot outgive God. And our capacity to trust God grows as we move along that Christian giving journey. Now, of course, you can look at that and say, oh, being rich on every occasion, that sounds like a good number. You can say, well, um, equities are looking a bit dodgy at the moment, given the, uh, given the uh, situation in, uh, in the banking sector. You can say, oh, interest rates are going up still, so fixed interest securities aren't quite what they used to be. So I'm going to put money into God, because God's going to give a guaranteed return. Now, if that's what we feel, I have this hunch that God is bright enough to see through this one. An omniscient, all-understanding God peers into the depths of our hearts. But... If we approach him and say, I trust you, I see your express promises in scripture, I see the experience of the Christian communities down the centuries, I love you, I respond in the depths of my heart to your overwhelming generosity in Christ. I want to see what you can do in my life, in this church, in this community. I am going to step forward substantially at this time of challenge. I'm going to respond. Then the experience of the Christian community is that God is faithful. Billy Graham writes, We have found in our own home, as have thousands of others, that God's blessing upon the nine-tenths when we tithe helps it to go further than the ten tens did without his blessing. Now, I don't want to be formulaic about this. I, I talked to, uh, I, had, I, I present on Premier, amongst other things, and I interviewed um, Jonathan um, uh, uh, Tarmew, former Archbishop of York, and I said, you know, what do you, he said, oh, don't be legalistic about this. He said, me and my wife give 20% of our net income. You know, and... Um, these figures may seem extraordinary, but the reality is that as you look this Easter at the figure of Christ on the cross, if we look at the depths of his love for us, then people sometimes say to me, how much do I have to give to get into heaven? They won't quite put it that way, but you can see that's the underlying text, isn't it? 
The reality is, can we really look at Christ on the cross and say, well, 1% of net income, a bit of small change at the end of everything else I've choose to prioritise in this life, does that really cut it? Now, Jesus calls us to sacrificial, substantial giving. And he stands by those who do this. John Wimber, who inspired the charismatic revival in, uh, in the Church of England, who was used by God in an extraordinary way. He says, in my long experience of Christian ministry, God releases resources to those whom he can trust to invest them in the kingdom. So the question which arises is, can he trust me? Can he trust us? There's a wonderful philanthropist in the north of England who, who produces, produces conservatories and suddenly said to God, well, you know, my home is fine, my car is fine, I've got reason provision. Anything else that my business does will be invested in the kingdom of God. And God gave him a dream in which he saw a new way of constructing conservatories, which greatly grew his business, and he now has a wonderful foundation. God can do anything, but he has to know that he can trust us. So my encouragement today is to take the next step. If perhaps you're visiting today, in which case this message is not for you, you need first to discover the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. If you've been on this journey for a while, it's time for the next step. If you consider yourself to be part of the, give, of, of the worshipping community here, but don't yet give on a regular basis we would ask you to take that step now. Because you're looking to get the right person, that first step, we're looking to get the right people for these two key new roles. And any applicant worth their salt will look at your finances and say, is there really a commitment to growth here? Not just to paying the cost of employing me, but is there a real vision and expectation of growth? Do we see a community here which is full on in its followership of Jesus? So taking that first step, even if that's a very modest step in terms of what you give each month, at least uh, Mark and Richard and the team will know that you're with them and will know that you can rely on that monthly income. And if you've been doing that for a while, perhaps even at a sacrificial level, God bless you and thank you. But I sense that God is calling this church and is calling you to the next step. Just as we continue to grow in faith, we don't get stuck. We can so easily get stuck in our giving. And, as we, and the more that we do this, the more that we give, the more we experience God's faithfulness and our capacity and our faith to take the next step grows. So perhaps for you it is taking that next step and for some, it will be a really substantial step. What we look to do in these kind of exercises is to increase church giving by at least 30%, and that is the kind of result that we have seen in some other churches. That would completely transform the capacity to reach out to this diocese, to this, to this, to this parish.
So this week, or hopefully very quickly, um, Richard will be emailing every member of the congregation. If you give uh, on a regular basis, the encouragement will be to say, take the next step. My message can be really summarised in three words. Trust and try. Trust the promises of God and try giving it a level that you never thought sensible or possible. And write to Richard in reply to his email. And my encouragement to you is to say, look, Richard, this is not a contract enforceable at law, but I am going to try doing this. I'm going to try giving at a level that I never thought possible, and I will see what happens. I've done this elsewhere. I've been back to other churches. I've talked individually to those who've tried taking this step. And you will experience God's faithfulness. You can do this. And if you've yet to start on that journey, then say in reply, because it'll be a different email, one to those who give regularly and those who've yet to start giving regularly, to say, right, now is the time, this liminal point in this life of this parish where I am coming on board. I am with you, Mark. I am with you, Richard, and the finance team. I am with you, not just with my time, not just with my prayers, but you have my financial backing in making sure that we can enter into this new season of growth with uh, an amazing new team. Let us, let us commit this in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful parish of St. Mary of Bethany. We thank you for that wider community across the parish entrusted spiritually to us here. We pray your anointing and blessing on Mark and the whole team. And Lord, we choose to trust you. We choose to stand upon your promises. Release now, we pray, the faith to give. We pray, Lord, for the release of the gift of giving in this place. We thank you for those who are already giving sacrificially. We know that there are some who are doing a disproportionate amount in supporting this church. Lord, help us to break free. In the name and authority of Jesus the Christ, I now break that fear of coming to want which holds us back. Give us the faith to respond with a real step change in giving across the entire church family here, Lord. And may we experience your faithfulness as we do so. Experience your blessing that we may bless others 
as you have blessed us in Christ. We pray, Lord, that when the results come in, there will be a spectacular increase in giving here. We pray that you will make the PCC good stewards, that they will use this to invest boldly in kingdom growth. We pray for the men and women of your choosing to be appointed associate vicar and children's and families coordinator. We pray for a rich harvest for more children, for more families, for more young people. We pray for revival in this place. Spirit fall. Come in glory and power, Lord and build your kingdom here, in Jesus' name, Amen.